be there. She might be transferred out before. And that, that's truthfully what we're praying for is that she gets transferred out quickly so she can get the help that she needs. But be praying. So tonight we're going to be uh, gathering just to pray for her healing and for uh, her uh, family and encouragement as well. Uh, but if you could, remember them in prayer and we'll pray for her uh, this morning as well when we open up. Uh, a couple of other quick announcements as well. Uh, and by the way, too, once we do find out more about Miss Brenda, if we do find out anything about transfer, we'll try to get everybody out on the, on the phone call just to let you guys know of how to pray, that sort of thing, okay? Um, ladies' ministry for Claytor Lake. Uh, retreat, if you have not already paid in full, all funds are due today, so please get those in. Uh, seniors' ministry sight and sound trip, if you've not already paid your deposit of 100 please do so today as well. Uh, then September 8th and 9th, this Friday and Saturday, as of right now, we still have this scheduled um, uh, for uh, the Character Under Construction training. If you're still interested, please sign up in the back. Um, then as well, uh, it's not in here, but I will let you guys know as well. If you're interested in joining the church, we do have a sign-up sheet in the back for the membership classes. As of right now, they should be starting on the 17th, so two Sundays from now. Uh, during the Sunday school hour, and it should run for about four weeks or so, okay? About four Sundays, what we need to get the class through. If you are interested, sign up. If you've got questions, come see me. I can work you through it because uh, we want to make sure that uh, you can get, get what you need uh, so that way uh, if you still want to be a member after the class and all that stuff, I don't try to scare you too bad, uh, we can go through that process, all right? Uh, but if you've got questions, see me on that. Um, and praise the Lord, we already have about a whole list full, so praise God for that. Um, a couple other things, September 29th, end of the month, uh, we got a fifth Friday Family Fun Fling thing. We're going to have fun, fun, fun till we're done, done, done. Amen. So if everything is good and weather-wise, we will have it outside and let some and have some fun for the kids, s'mores, bonfire, all that good stuff. Um, if it rains or, or if it's a foot of snow, we'll still have it outside. Just kidding. We'll come inside. We'll have a good time. But uh, we'll get more details once we get there as well, but it'll be a good time to bring some fellowship and some food and all that stuff. We'll have a good time. Then a uh, reminder, and we're going to play a video here in just a little bit. Uh, Friday, October 20th, and Saturday, October 21st is our Living in Spite of Conference. There are postcard invites on the back table there and in the lobby on the way out the doors. Uh, make sure you come, but as well, uh, make sure that you sign up, okay? If you would plan on coming to our revival meetings, please plan on coming to this because this is in lieu of our revival meetings. Uh, it's a Friday evening and a Saturday during the day. We've got different sessions. We've got food. Uh, we've got um, free books and resources for everybody. There is going to be something for you. In just a moment, we're going to play a video that will help explain a little bit more about the ministry because I've had several questions who just aren't really sure. One, you can go on their website, which it'll show that. You can get some more info yourself. But as well, go on our website. You can sign up there online. That would be the easiest thing. Or worst case, if you don't do online, sign up on the back table so that we know you're coming so we can plan for food and everything else. Um, then as well, <clears throat> um, Thursday... Uh, through Saturday, uh, the men's prayer advance of January 25th through the 27th. There's a sign-up sheet in the back for the men's prayer advance in Roanoke uh, from Christ Life Ministries. Um, that is in the back. If you're interested, men, on going to that, sign up now, and then I'll get details for you. But the total cost will be 200 That's for registration and the hotel. Um, then we, you just got to cover your lunch and dinner while we're out there. But we'll get more details as we go. And I think We've got to get our money in and all that stuff here soon, but we've got to be registered by like 1st November or so. But we'll have more details, but sign up first so we know that you're interested in coming, all right? Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to read uh, some scripture, and I want to pray, and then I'm going to go over and turn the lights off so that you guys can see the screen better. And we're just going to play a, a short section of, of uh, sort of their introduction video just to give you an introduction to the ministry, Living in Spite of Ministry with uh, John and Joanne Ashley. Uh, and as well, what we're going to see is... Um, 
uh, just a little bit about their story and how the Lord has brought them to the place where they are uh, to help others. And ultimately what we find, and they'll talk about it as well, is that all of our pain has a purpose. We talked about this morning in Sunday school, God is always not merely just sanctifying us and strengthening us for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others, all right? And so they'll get into that. But this morning, Psalm 66 tells us this. It says, O bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life, and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us as silver and is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place, a place of prosperous. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth hath spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the increase of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats. Selah. Here's what we find. Though we go through a multitude of issues in our life, God is worthy to be praised. And it is our choice today how we come before the Lord. And it is our choice today to come before the Lord. He has made a way through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, our mediator between God and man, that we can now freely go and praise the Lord. May it be said of us this morning as we sing, as we fellowship, as we hear God's word preached, O oh, bless our God, ye people, make the voice of His praise to be heard. May that be our hearts today. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to you. We want to thank you for your, your faithfulness. We thank you for your fellowship that we can have with you, with one another. We pray, God, that this morning that we would uh, have our hearts and our minds open to your word. God, that you would meet with us. Lord, we do want to pray for our very own Brenda uh, Beasley. We pray, God, for her healing. We pray for a door to be open to get her uh, to a hospital that can get her some answers and get her some help. We pray for the family that you give them strength, comfort. And Lord, we do pray as well that this morning that you would help our fellowship, unite us together, show us who we are and what we need and what we have in Christ. Lord, that you would uh, save a soul, Lord, that needs saving. Lord, that you would help us with our own sinfulness. Lord, help us to simply yield uh, our, ourselves to you today by faith. And God, that you would do a work in us through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys watch right here, and it'll introduce this ministry for you.
just to see there, just a little glimpse of uh, this wonderful ministry. They're coming to help put this conference on. This is a conference to help you, not hurt you. This is not merely a revival meeting to come, and this is not to step on your toes, to kick you in the shins, and to bop you on the head. This is to help your heart. How many of y'all ever got hurts in your life? How many of you ever got griefs, sorrows, troubles, trials? That's what the local church is for, but ultimately, as he said, sometimes, and the vast majority of the time, my preaching can't cover all of your needs. Nevertheless, the Lord knows your needs, and God is at work through all of your situations uh, to ultimately help your testimony and to help you and strengthen you to help one another. So I encourage you, make plans to join us, and I believe that the Lord's got some help for you. Amen. Good morning. And blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're able, we'll get started singing as you stand. If you're able, please stand. And we'll start in uh, hymn number 308, There Is a Redeemer. Beautiful message in this song. 1 Corinthians 1.30 and 31 tells us, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness and sanctification that goes right along with Sunday school lesson this morning and redemption most importantly redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord giving God all the praise honor and glory give God the glory hymn number 308 there is a redeemer There is a Forgiven 
Father. Amen. Our next song is Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Deuteronomy 33:27 tells us the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say destroy them. Now when we get to the words leaning, leaning, you can do that if you want to. It ain't you ain't too sanctified to lean a little bit, okay? <laughs> All right, leaning on the everlasting arms. of the Lord, okay? Now, I had a good time, but I almost lost my mind and fell, but uh, still had a good time. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Our next song is Jesus Saves. Amen. 1 Timothy 1.15 tells us, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I didn't write that, but that fits me perfect. Chief of sinners. Jesus saved me from all that sin. Amen? The penalty of it. Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. 
Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves by his death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom when the heart for mercy craves. Sing in triumph o'er the tomb. Jesus save, Jesus save. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus save, Jesus save. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus save, Jesus save. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves, this our song of victory. Jesus save, Jesus save. Amen. Now we're going to have a little fellowship and greeting time. So you can move around, shake hands, share a smile. Make sure you get our visitors and don't miss anyone. Good to have all of you out today. All right, praise the Lord for some good fellowship. We'd like to welcome all of our visitors here this morning. I think I see Jerry Rich back there. Raise your hand, Jerry. Is that you? Not you. Okay. Yeah, there you are. I thought that was you. He's been coming. I was just telling my friend here, probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 years you've been coming here on every flea market, right? 40-some years. Isn't that something? Glory to God. We good to have you. Good to see you. That makes me and you both look a little old, don't it? Forty years. 
I don't know if I've been here all 40 of them, but I've been here a big bunch of them. Well, now we have some uh, special music by our very own Miss Emma Hicks. So you come on, Miss Emma. Beautiful song, beautiful message. Give our heart to the Lord, be obedient unto him. Would you please go with me in prayer now? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for the opportunity to come to your house and sit together in fellowship through the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. Lord, to worship you, to offer up songs and praise to the Most High God, to the one who deserves all praise. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us 
as we sing and praise you and please you. We pray that we would and bring honor and glory only to you, Heavenly Father. We ask, Lord, you to bless our pastor as he brings the message. Give him liberty and boldness and strength. And, uh, Lord, help him to proclaim the message that you've given him. And, uh, Lord, feed your sheep through that message this morning. May we be attentive and listen, Lord, and, uh, and be changed by what's been preached here today. And we pray, Lord, it would make a big difference in our lives from this day forward. And, Lord, uh, speak to every heart here. Encourage every heart that needs it. And, uh, Lord, convict every heart that needs it. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for everything that's accomplished here today. But we pray in and through the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, if you would and you're able, please stand one more time. And we'll sing a very special song, Behold Our God. The Bible tells us in Revelation 4, 10, and 11, that four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Behold our God, our Creator. Amen. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us Jesus 
risen now to reign. Behold our God, seated on His throne, come let us adore Him. Behold our King, nothing can compare, come let us adore I love singing with God's people. And you guys sing wonderful. I don't know if you know that or not. You don't sing wonderful because you sound good. You sing wonderful because you sing to the Lord. Amen. That, that's what wonderful singing is anyways. That's what Bible singing is. That's what worship is. It's not singing to sound good or to look good. It's singing to the Lord. We have one audience today, and it's not us. It's not ourselves. It's the Lord. The Lord is the only one that we care about what He thinks. And ultimately today, as we have seen already in the service, as we've already sung about we serve a God as we look and we behold who He is. We not only see who He is, but we see all that He's done for us. How could we not, as a, as a Christian, be overwhelmed by the goodness of God today, by His faithfulness? Our hearts should rejoice every time that we can gather together in His house with His people to praise His name because this is His will for our life. We are stronger and strengthened together. And today, that's what we're going to be looking at at His Word and I'm just thankful to be here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we've been going through several weeks now looking at a series dealing with the, the beauty of Christ's church. I'm afraid, as many folks have seen us, I'm sure our dear brother in the back, it, you, the older you get, the longer you see times change. And there used to be a time, I'm sure some of you remember, when church mattered, right? If doors were open, you was going to be there, right? I, I remember being a kid uh, after my dad got saved and we're, we're all going to church now. Uh, I didn't mind because I was, I, believe it or not, I was a good little obedient kid. Okay, only a couple of you. I was. You ask them. You ask. They're not here, but uh, they can't defend it. But nevertheless, we used to go. If, if we were, oh, it was doors were open. We're going. Activities were going. It, it was important. But I, what I've noticed, of course, over the past few generations, is it's not nearly as important anymore. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that church attendance uh, will get you to heaven. Because matter of fact, it won't. Matter of fact, there's no work that you can do. Church attendance, church membership, leading in a church. Uh, being in a church for however long, you can found a church and still be lost as a goose. What we find is the only way to be saved, the only way that we will see God uh, and be in His presence forevermore is to repent of our sins and to trust in the precious work of Jesus Christ. He came, He bled, He died for our sins. He was buried, rose in the third day according to the Scriptures so that all of us who repent and believe can be born again and we can sing with our whole hearts about the goodness of our God. And ultimately what He does is He not merely just saves us 
but He saves us unto Himself and unto one another. And we've been seeing the beauty of Christ's church. We've seen its formation. We've seen the, the foundation of the church being truth. We've seen the family of God, that, that He has made us and adopted us, that we belong to Him and we belong to one another. Uh, we've seen last week, looking at the beginning of chapter 4 of Ephesians, we saw last week the unity that the church has. And now, as we talked about, we'll deal with it a little bit this morning, unity does not mean uniformity. Now, that's a good thing. There is unity in the body of Christ, yet there is a diversity in gifts, which is what we're going to see today. Last week, we looked at the making of the body, the being of unity, but today we're going to see the ministry of the body. God has called you into the ministry today. If you are saved today, you are called into the ministry. You say, does that mean i got to drop them and do and go to Bible college and then go start applying on ministrywell.com? No. Matter of fact, that's not what that means. What this means is that you were called to serve. You were saved to serve. You were not saved to sit and saved to sour. And some of us have sat so long that we're starting to sour, right? We're at least pruning. Now, that's not good. We are called to serve. To serve who? Well, yes, serve the Lord, but to serve one another. Jesus said to his disciples before he went and, and bled on that cruel cross for our sins, he said, love one another. Lay down your life for one another. You belong to one another. You belong to me and I to you. We find as he gave instructions for what the church is to look like, and he has equipped us and empowered us and enabled us to do the work of the ministry. And that's what we're going to look at today. The body was meant to move. Amen. Bible tells us here we're going to look at verses 7 through 12, and I'm going to go ahead and let you know this is a difficult passage for us to look at, and we're going to address the issue of it today. Uh, you're probably looking at verse 8 through 10. Most of us have read the book of Ephesians, and we get to chapter 4, verse 8 through 10, and we go, oh, no idea what he's talking about there, so I'm going to skip on to verse number 14, right, and all that sort of thing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to look right at this and see what the Lord is showing us today, but verse number 7, to see the ministry of the body of Christ today, but unto every one of us. Now, let's break that down for just a moment. Everyone means who? Are you an everyone? All right. And let's put it this way. If you're a whosoever, you're also an everyone, okay? Way to go. You made it, right? You fit the bill. If you're a whosoever, if you're an anybody, then you are an everyone. But unto everyone, unto everyone, what specific everyone? Unto every one of us. Well, who's the us? Those who walk worthy with the vocation with we are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Here's what we find. Those of us who are saved, those of us who have been born again, we are a part of this every one that God has gifted you by His grace, a gift to serve, not yourself, but to serve the local church, to serve the body, to serve our community, that together we move in our community, that together we even would see God move our very community. That's what the local church is designed and set apart to do. Now, as we get into this, verse number 7, but unto every one of us is given grace. Grace saves. Grace sanctifies. Grace sets us apart. It is grace that strengthens us. It is grace that moves us. All of the life of the Christian, all the life of the local church is by God's grace. Every moment, every millisecond, every breath, all of God's grace. We see this even back in chapter 2, and we'll get into the message. Chapter 2 tells us this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The only way that we'll walk in the good works that He's called us to is if we have been born again by grace through faith. That we have trusted in His finished work. Not our work, but His work. So yes, we're saved by works, but it's not ours. It's His. It's His work that is accomplished for us on our behalf. His righteousness now imputed to our account that we stand righteous before God, not by any righteousness that we have or that we've done, because all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, but by the precious perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord who died for us and rose again for us. And we find that by His grace He not only saves us, but He sets us apart for His use. He goes on, He says, But unto every one of us grace is given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I want you to know, first of all, before we get too deep into this, the outline can wait. Christ is our gift. Christ, His grace, has given us everything. He has given us our salvation by His grace. He has given us our sanctification through the work of the Holy Spirit that He gave to us to indwell us, to convict us, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to, to prune us, uh, to, to, more, uh, to, to uh, form and fashion us, to make us like Christ, to reflect His image. Here's what we find. He is given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Notice, it is God who gives spiritual gifts. He does not give everybody the same gift. He does not give everybody the same amount of gifts. But if you are saved today, you are gifted by Almighty God. Do not think today, dear believer, that God has no use for you. If you were, if you were alive today and you were saved, God has a purpose for your life. He has given you the power to live the Christian life. He has given you the power to, to live out His purpose. And what is His purpose? Well, we're going to see that today. He says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 8 is going to help us understand verses 9 and 10. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. I want you to know, one of the greatest things that the Lord Jesus fills is he fills his church. He not only fills the Christian with the Holy Ghost of God, he fills the local church. He is the head of the body. He is the bridegroom to the bride. He is what forms and fits this family together and unites us together. It is he who holds us together. He fills us. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you. We want to thank you for your word. And we thank you that we can worship you and praise you today. I pray that right now, Lord, that you'd rid us of all distractions, all concerns. And God, that your word, your word alone would be uh, of the utmost importance to us right now. I pray that you would guard my mind, my heart, my tongue. Lord, that it would be you that preaches to your people today. Lord, that you would show us what we need today. God, that we would come surrendered today by faith. And Lord, that you would show us today uh, the, the gifts that you've given by your grace so that we would be usable for you, that we would be of your service. Lord, help us today, Lord, to be your body that moves for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's what we understand. Unity in the body of Christ does not produce uniformity, but it produces usability. Here's what unity does. When we get a hold of the unity that we already have in Christ, now as we talked about last week, we're not setting out to create unity because we don't create unity. We live out of the unity that Christ has already given to us. Notice he says, that you walk worthy of the vocation with you are called. Uh, he says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity. To keep, you don't keep something that you don't have. 
You keep something that you already have. To keep means to guard, to protect. It is your job as much as it is mine to guard and to keep the unity of the church. As a matter of fact, it is more than likely uh, the vast majority. There's more of y'all down there than it is up here, right? So it's more so out there than it is up here. i got to preach and teach the word. We're going to get into that here just a little bit about my ministry is to help you do the ministry. My ministry is to ultimately teach you, uh, help you, to show you, and to enable you to do the ministry, to find ministry if you do. There is a place for you here at Victory. There is somewhere where you can serve. You say, well, I'm weak, I'm feeble. I want you to know one of the greatest ways that you can serve is you can pray, you can send cards, you can get phone calls of encouragement. You've got a gift that God has given you to share with somebody, to share with the local church, to build up the body. Now, how does God build his body? He does it piece by piece, member by member, saved soul by saved soul, but he does so through the body to build the body. He adds on to us and he uses us to win the lost, to make disciples, to join them in fellowship, to reach out and to do it all over again, all to his worship, all to his glory. Now this is God's desire for every Christian in this church to see the ministry of the body and to be a part of the ministry of the body. God's power works through God's people to fulfill God's purposes. This is his plan for his church. He desires to work through his church. And I would say this morning, not even just work through Victory Way. He works through a whole bunch of churches in Carroll County that are preaching the Bible, preaching the Word of God. I want you to know the Spirit of God is at work where the Word of God is open and preached as it is. What we find is that God is at work all over the place, and that's why on a Sunday morning we might have an off Sunday here, but I'm trusting and praising God that there's a whole lot of on Sundays everywhere else and that God is at work whether we see it here or whether we don't see it here or whether we do see it here. We know that God is at work building His church as He said He would. He builds it. He bought it. He belongs to it. He protects it. All of these things. Now, God has saved us to serve in unity through these diverse gifts that he gives to us. So the unity works through the diversity of gifts. So the ministry is united, yet it is diverse in its actions and its abilities. That's why we've got on a sign-up sheet, you've got some folks who say, I can help the kids. You've got some who say, I can do a security or sound. You've got some who say, well, I can give or I can encourage. So today I want you to do this. I want you to find out and ask the Lord, even now, Lord, show me what you'd have me to do in this local church. God, show me what you would want from me. How can I help build your church here at Victory Way? Now, I want us to understand this. The body of Christ is a higher purpose than just waiting for heaven. We are living in a day where us well-meaning, dispensational, pre-mill, pre-trib folks, for the, for the most part, right? Well, here's what we've done. We've gone, okay, the Lord's coming back. Things are getting bad. So I'm going to sit right here in this square, and I'm going to hold on for dear life and wait. I'm not going to look to the right or to the left, right? Y'all ever do that? You ride down the road, you see somebody, you go down in Winston or somewhere like that, you pull up to a stoplight outside of Sam's Club, and there's three folks who are panhandling, and you sit there at the stoplight like this. Don't pretend y'all don't. I, I do it too. Is that all right? You sit there and watch, because you know if I look over there, I'm going to see something. I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to want to help. I got the money. I don't have the time. All this, we make all the reasons, right? Now, why do I say all that? Because here's what we have done for far too long in the local church. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming back, so I'm just going to hold on. I'm not going to look to the right. I'm not going to look to the left. I'm not going to look anywhere except the fact that Jesus is coming, because if I do, I'm going to see the problems. I'm going to see the need, and I'm going to find out very quickly that God has placed me to fill that need. Here's what we do in church. We look around, we go, oh, there's a shine-up sheet back there. Need more volunteers in the nursery? (gasps) Who would ever thought, right? Which we always do, by the way. We go, oh, man, 
Sure hope somebody helps out. Maybe God's calling you. You say, well, I sure hope someone does this, or I sure hope, I sure wish, I have people do this all the time. Pastor, you ever thought about having this ministry? And I'll, I'll go, well, that sounds wonderful, but you know what? i got about 40 things I'm doing at one time. You want to lead it? And as soon as I say you want to lead it, well, I don't think I can lead well, of course you don't, right? You just want it done. Well, I want lots of stuff done. We all do. We all find little things in the church that we go, well, that could get fixed or that could get painted or that could get done. You ever thought that God shows you these things because He says there's the need. What are you going to do about it? You ever thought? Right, that's right. Now, here's what happens is that in this waiting, in this waiting for the Lord to come back, we've sat still so long that we don't know what it means to move anymore. We're hardly moved by the thought of God anymore, let alone do we move for God now, here's what happens is that we've started going, well, it's up to the professional. I want you to know there is no professional Christian. There is no such thing as professional clergyman, right? As a matter of fact, I don't want to be called that. I don't want to be called reverend, right? Why? I'm a pastor. I'm here to be with the sheep and to help the sheep do the work of the ministry. We work together. But notice, God has got us an awful lot of work to do, and there's an awful lot of work to be done. As a matter of fact, I got a text uh, this morning from a pastor friend just up the road, uh, and he said, all he said this morning, he didn't say praying for you, right, which I knew he was, but, but here's what he said. He said, look into the fields. That was it. Look into the fields. At first I said, what? Did I, am I missing something? He means something. I said, no. Look at the fields. What did Jesus say about the fields? He said, look at the fields. They're white, ready for the harvest. We have to look around dear church, and we see that right here, Look around, you see empty pews? That's a field that's ready for harvest. That's a lost soul that needs to be saved and discipled. Here's what we find is that God has given us work to do, but the only way that we will do the work of God is by the power of God when we yield ourselves to Him completely. How will we do for God what He wants us to do if we will not simply even give Him our very self? Harry Ironside once said, you cannot do God's work without God's power, and it's absolutely true. But notice this, God gives you the power to do the work He's called you to do. When I was a young man and I was struggling with the call to ministry, my pastor, he said, and it stuck with me, and I've passed it on to, to, to several others, to Tony and Josiah and others, and I've, and I've said this. Here's what he said. He looked at me, and I was young, scared to death. I'm going, anybody but me, please not me. Please, oh, please not me, right? That was just yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what he looked at me and he said? Because I told him, I said, Pastor, I'm not ready. I can't do this. God's got better, more qualified, more equipped people out there. I don't like people. I don't talk in front, of, in front of anybody. I don't like ties and collars. I don't like tucking my shirt in. Not, not me. He said, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. If you've been saved, you've been called by God to His service, do you think that God is not going to equip you? God will give you what you need to do the job He calls you to do. Here's what we find. Unity leads to usability. Each Christian is not only a saved member, but a saved member to serve the members in the broader body of Christ. We are not saved to sit, but to serve in the body of Christ. Each believer today has a role and responsibility to the body of Christ. As we'll see later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there is no body in here today who can say, well, I'm just a foot. I ain't worth nothing. Or I'm just a finger. I'm not worth nothing. Or I'm just a crooked eyebrow. I'm not worth nothing. I want you to know, you have your role to play in the local church. God has gifted you with something that He has not given to anybody else, and that gift is not going to get used unless you use it. So who are we to waste the gift of God? Who are we to waste and throw away God's grace that has given us the gifts to
to the ministry of the body of Christ. Furthermore, here's what we see. D.L. Moody put it this way, and this might help you this morning as it helped me. He said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And that which I can do by the grace of God, I will do. Is that our attitude this morning? I can't do everything. No, you can't. You can do something. So therefore, do it by God's grace to the glory of God. So here's the big picture of this passage and as well as where we're at. God has given each believer a new position in Christ. We have possessions in Christ. We are filled with the riches of the knowledge and the grace of Almighty God. What else do we see? He has given us a new purpose. We're a new creature, a new creation of Christ Jesus. He has given us a new purpose for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He's not really saved us to sit, but He's saved us to serve. He has given us what is needed to go into the world and to accomplish His will. All of this is according to the riches of His grace in Christ Jesus. Christians build and belong to the church body and family. God desires to use you to build the church, not the professional. Because I'm not a professional. Matter of fact, I'm one of the least professional that I know. Here's what we find. God wants you to use you. Have you ever thought about that grace? The very grace that not only has saved you, but the grace that says, I want now not only to keep you from hell and to give you power over sin, but I want to use you. We just sang moments ago, Behold our God. Seated on His throne. Come, let us adore Him. We sang the, the very passage of Scripture there out of Isaiah. Well, who's given Him counsel, right? Who's, who, who holds the, the grains of sands, counts of stars? Who holds the water? Who does all that? The Lord. He does more in a millisecond than we'll do in a lifetime, and yet He looks down at me, He looks down at you, and He sees all of our sin, He sees all of our faults and our failures, and He says, you're the one that I want to use. You and I often do this. We either run like Jonah or we look and we go, he must be pointing at somebody else. He's pointing at you. Why? Because if you're saved today, he wants to use you. If he wanted just to save you, he would have saved you and then zapped you. He didn't do that. Why? He saved you to use you to display his grace and glory in this world, in this body. Furthermore, we see that God gives power and life not only to the individual Christian, but to the corporate church body. And here's what we find. The ministry of the body is done by God's enabling gifts of grace to the exalting of His glory. First of all, verse 7 through 11, we're going to see the presenting of the gifts. And I'm going to move quickly today. Verse 7 through 11, first of all, we have to understand a little bit about spiritual gifts. You're not going to learn your spiritual gifts through the Enneagram. That is a pagan symbol. We don't need the Enneagram to determine spiritual gifts. Nor do you need to go on the Google and find, I'm going to do a personality test and then try to find my spiritual gifts. I want you to know, here's your spiritual gift. God, by His grace, formed you and fashioned you in your mother's wombs with certain already talents, giftings, natural abilities, desires, personality. He wants to use you because you are who you are, so be who you are to the glory of God. God is not desiring by His grace to change you to make you somebody that you're not. He wants to make you to reflect the glory of Christ. He wants to use you in your personality and your quirks and all your mannerisms. He wants to use you today. Do not change who you are. Do not try to imitate somebody else. Rather, identify with Christ and let Him work in your life to the glory of God. Now, here what we understand about spiritual gifts is this, is that it is given by the grace of Christ. Notice it's even in the very phrase, gift. Do you buy a gift for yourself? No, that's just making a purchase, right? 
Now, if someone gives you something, that's a gift. Now, what do we know about grace? As we saw with salvation in chapter 2, it is a gift of God. Not of works, as any man should boast. It is unmerited favor. God gave you spiritual giftings today, not because you earned them, but because He wanted to give them to you specifically, to use you specifically. This is why we're all geared different, all wired different, all talented different. We've got all sorts of different gifts. That's why there is diversity in gifts today, and yet there is one body. Why? Because God doesn't want to just use one man to get the whole job done for the whole body. He wants to use the whole body to do the job. Now, notice this. As we see the diversity of gifts within the unity of the body, we begin, as we exercise our gifts, we find that that's how God builds His body up. That's how God builds His church. You want to, how many of y'all want to see God build this church? Of course you do. You're raising your hand, either one because everybody else is, or because you go, well, I want God to build church. You want to know how God's going to do it? Start exercising your gifts. Start being who you are to the glory of God. Get apart and get in this church and go, you know what? I can't do everything, but I can do something. And I'm going to do it to the glory of God. Now, with this, first of all, we have to see a couple things. We find that we have one body, many members, one body, many gifts. Each believer is gifted supernaturally to the benefit of the body of Christ. As we're going to see, you are not merely given gifts, spiritual gifts and spiritual talents and spiritual job to do simply for yourself or for your glory. Rather, it's for His glory and for the benefit of the body of Christ. Now, verse number 7, we're going to see, and over the next verses 7 through 11, we're going to see three different groups that He gives and presents gifts to. First of all is the individual Christian. Verse number 7. But unto every one of us, as we talked about earlier, every one of us means every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Christ equips and empowers every believer. There is no one in here today who only has half a Holy Spirit that's saved. If you're saved today, you got all of the Holy Ghost of God who indwells and abides in you to equip you, to empower you, to enable you for the work of the ministry. So there is no halfway Christian today. You are either a Christian or you are not a Christian. You are either saved or you are not saved. You have either been born again or you must be born again. There is no halfway. There is no in-between. So this is what we also find. For those God has saved and, and, is, and wants to use for His glory, He gives gifts. And that means every one of us, there's no one that is halfway gifted and you've got a halfway gift of God. No, you have been given a full gift of God. Now, not everyone has been given, as we said, the same amount or the same gifts. Nevertheless, everyone that is saved has a gift of God to use to the glory of God. Now, God's grace gives gifts to God uh, to, to give God glory ultimately. Everything is by His grace for His glory. And we find that it is for our empowerment to live the Christian life. Now, notice a couple of common gifts. One, the first common gift is the grace of Christ Jesus. It is the Lord Himself that is the first gift. He gave His Son. He gave us Himself. He has given us our salvation. What's the second common gift we find? Every believer, we find that we all have the same Holy Spirit. Notice there's one body and one spirit, as verse 4 tells us. We find that He has given us the gifts that every believer, every believer, if you're saved today, you have at least this. The grace that is in Christ Jesus, the riches that are in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God who shows you the graces and the riches that are in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit shows us who we are and what we have in Christ, and that is the gift that every believer's got. Now after that, there's some diversity that God has given you a gift specifically to use for the ministry of the body. 
Now notice, every believer's bare essentials here, we even see back in chapter 3, verse 16 down through 20, that He would grant to you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with His might, with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That's every individual Christian given the Spirit of God to strengthen us. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. Look at these gifts that every believer has. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's for every believer. Every believer today. But then we have some specialized gifts that we're going to look at. First of all, we have to understand that this list that we're going to give today in Romans and in Corinthians is not exhaustive. God did not go, if you don't have one of these, and I guess, sorry about your luck, I must have missed you. No. What we find is that these gifts simply show a blanket statement of going, here's the many gifts that God has given and here's what we're going to find is that each one of us have got to discover our gifts. And the way to discover the gift that God has given you is one, get alone with God. Two, get alone in His Word. And three, begin to yield your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit to the Lord God. He will show you what He wants you to do. Now, <coughs> turn with me over to Romans chapter 12 real quick. Romans chapter 12. After that beautiful benediction at the end of Romans chapter 11, who hath known the mind of the Lord, who hath been his counselor, we just sung that, right? Who hath been first given to him and shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. He goes right into it. He says in verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So bare minimum of the ministry that God wants you to do is to give yourself to him and be holy unto him. Sit apart and sit unto. Sit apart from the world and sit apart unto Him for His use. He says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God for your life is to turn from the world and turn to His Word. Then you can do the work of God in the world to the glory of God. That is His will for your life. That's the will of God for every Christian in here today. He says then, verse 3-8, through For I say through the grace given unto me. Notice, Paul was given a different grace than other apostles even. He was given a different grace that other folks had given. Uh, he had a grace that God had given to him, and he, what does he say? To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The greatest hindrance to your spiritual gift and usability is that you think more highly of you and your gift more than you ought to think. You, ought, you and I cannot be going around going, well, I have the gift of wisdom. You see how wise I am? Did you guys know that I have the gift of humility? I don't think those are gifts there. No, I think that's boasting. I think it's prideful. What we find is that the, the Lord gives certainly gifts to us, but notice when He gives us a gift, we don't think highly of the gift. We think highly of the God who gave the gift. This is the issue. We often love the gift rather than the giver. The gift is to point us to the giver. And here's what happens. The things that God has gifted you and your life to do, He has done so so that you would praise Him for it and that you would glorify Him through those gifts, he says, that you might not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, it's clear-minded, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Only way you're going to be able to operate, only way you're going to be able to give to the body of Christ, only way you're going to be able to do the ministry is through humility. It will not be done by thinking much of yourself. As a matter of fact, the ones that think much of themselves aren't really doing ministry. He says, for as we have many members in one body, 
Notice, diversity, many members, unity, one body, and all members have not the same office. Not everybody in here does the same thing. Not everybody in here, uh, right? Think about this. We've heard phrases like this. Uh, we've got too many uh, chiefs and not enough Indians, right? I know it's not politically correct, but I root for the Redskins. So what do you expect from me, okay? Here's what we think and understand. Everybody wants to be in charge until you have to be in charge. Everybody's an expert until you've got to be the expert. Now, here's what we've got to understand is that not everyone is gifted the same way, and that's a good thing. God did not save you to make you a robot. God did not save robots. Matter of fact, robots can't be saved. They're going to take over the world one day, so <laughs> shut those things down. Nevertheless, here's what we've got to understand. We see that God has saved us to His glory and to be used for Him. God desires to use you as you are with your gifts, with your talents, even with your quirky personality that gets on everybody else's nerve. He wants to use it. That's why I'm up here. Not because there's any good in me, but because there's good in God. Because He has chosen. Not by my, I try to run. I try to hide. I don't want it. I'd rather, even told my wife this morning, today is one of those mornings I would just as soon as rather just go sell ice cream. Ice cream makes people happy. Preaching is God's business, though. Not everyone is called to preach. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. Not everyone is called to be a missionary overseas. But yet everyone is called by God who is saved to the work of the ministry, to serve somewhere. He says, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. That means we not only belong to Christ, but we belong to one another. That's the importance of this membership class. That's the importance of being an actual church member. He goes on, he says this, having then gifts differing according to what? The grace that is given to us. We just read that there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, whether prophecy, <clears throat> let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. That's a general word for all sorts of service. It's what you and I would call today church work. But we must be careful here. Sometimes we get so involved in church work that we forget the Christ and the God of the work. We must not forget the Lord of the work. We must not forget the Lord who's called us to the work in the middle of the work. We must not be so active that we forget to be in awe of God. God will not cause you to be so busy that you forget to worship. That's what our flesh will do. Now, he goes on and he says this, Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it <clears throat> with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And turn with me over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read quickly while you're turning there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, what do you think he's talking about? Spiritual gifts, that's right. Brethren, who's that? Christians, I would not have you be ignorant. Meaning God does not want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, let alone and especially your own and what God wants you to do for His glory. He says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols. I love that. Even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called to you is accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Notice, he's even saying and showing us that the only way that we'll ever give the glory to Jesus Christ is by the Holy Ghost of God who is given to every believer. So in order to do the work of God, we need the power of God. And God gives us the power through the Holy Ghost of God. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. Everyone in this morning that is saved has the same Holy Spirit. I'm not your Holy Spirit. You are not my Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that indwells me this morning indwells every believer out there this morning. 
He is constantly teaching us, correcting us, convicting us, leading us, guiding us, and always pointing us to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what we then find. The Holy Spirit has given me gifts that he might not have given you, but he's given you gifts that he might not have given me. There's some people who are patient, and then there's the rest of us. There's some people who are merciful, then there's the rest of us. There's some people who are giving or prayerful or faithful, and we're going to see that. And then there's the rest of us, right? But find what God has given you and do it to his glory. He says, there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given unto every man to profit with him. To profit what? To profit for the whole body. He says this, for to one is given by the Spirit of the Word of Wisdom. Wise people don't talk about how wise they are. They just give wisdom. He then says, to another the Word of Knowledge by the same Spirit. People who have knowledge in the application of wisdom, they do it by the Holy Spirit of God. Everything that you know about God, it is not because you learned it, it is because you were taught it by the Spirit of God. It is the Lord who teaches, it is the Lord who corrects, it is the Lord who shows us these things. So ultimately, every wisdom that we, every ounce of wisdom, every ounce of knowledge that we have, the application of that wisdom, what do we find? It is by the work of God in our life. It is a gift of His grace. He goes on and he says, to another, faith by the same Spirit. Now, every Christian has faith. Without faith, you're not going to be saved. And you are saved not merely by grace, but it's by grace through faith. So every believer has faith to be saved. But notice this. Every believer, the idea here of to another faith, there are some folks who exemplify what it means to trust God. There are some folks that live, truly live by faith. And then there's the rest of us that sometimes it seems that we struggle with this. But you ever find someone and you've, there, there are these rare jewels in the Christian church. And what do we find? We go, they're faithful. They're a man of faith. They're a woman of faith. They're faithful to God. What else does he say? He says, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another diverse kinds of tongues. To another of interpretation of tongues. Notice this. If he were to gift somebody in here this morning, say there was a school bus of Chinese folks that came in. They walked in. They sat in the back. And all they speak is Chinese. And for some reason they said, you know what? We're going to go to that church today. It looks nice. We're going to stop in there see what they got. And then the Lord gave somebody in here the gift of tongues. He's also going to give somebody the gift of interpretation. Why? Because Paul talks about this. Tongues is not some sort of ecstatic utterance. It is a speaking of the glossa, another tongue, another known language. And in so doing, what would happen? Someone else is given there the gift of interpretation. Why? For the benefit of the whole body. Why? Because God wants to help everybody in this place today. God wants to build the body, not just a Christian. Now he builds up his Christians in order to build up the body. And he uses the Christians to build up the body of Christ. Now here's what we find, because it's because we belong to the body of Christ. Now with all this, we see these spiritual gifts that he's given. He goes on and he says, uh, But all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing every man uh, severally as he will. For as one, as the body is one, and as many members, and all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Adrian Rogers put it this way. Spiritual gifts are not for our enjoyment, but for our employment. They're not meant for us to just go around and go, well, I'm so glad that God gave me this gift, now I'm not going to share it with nobody. No, it is for our employment to what? To the body of Christ. Furthermore, back in Ephesians 4, here's what we find. Not only did he present gifts to every Christian, but he gave it to the captives. Who's the captives? The captives here in verse number 8, it's very simple, and we want to make it as simple as possible today, and we're going to go through this. The captives are the Old Testament saints who awaited by faith the promises of God that would be completed in the personal work of Jesus Christ. 
that is the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the prophecy that that would fulfill and the uh, bringing of the Old Testament saints out of what was called paradise, uh, Abram's bosom, into the very presence of God where one day we shall meet in the air and we will be with the Lord forevermore. Those who are raptured out, the dead in Christ, that's New Testament saints that die, those are getting resurrected first, then those of us which are alive and remain of the coming of the day of the Lord, then we will go up. So what do we find? The Old Testament saints, they are with the Lord now. Notice this. Verse number 9 through 10, we see where, uh, now that he ascended, but what is it that he also descended first in the lower parts? In order to ascend, you have to descend, right? Why? Because Jesus, from eternity past to eternity future, could get no higher. He is God. He could be no higher. So he descends. What does he do? We find this dissension here in verse 9 through 10, and in verse 8 as well is sort of implied. The idea is that he left the heights of heaven to come in humiliation incarnate. Here's what, his, uh, here's what his dissension looks like. It's twofold. One, it's his incarnation. He descends the heaven to put on flesh. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Then what would he find? We see then that the rest of his dissension, he goes further. He is lifted up on a cross to draw all men unto himself. But then what happens? He descends into the grave. He descends further into the grave. Where does he go when he dies? Well, there's some, there's some false charismatic teaching today that say that Jesus went into hell. That he literally was tortured by demons. That's heresy. We don't find that in the Scripture. What do we find? Is that he led captivity captive. Well, who were held captive? Well, they were separated. They were there in paradise. There was this great gulf, this great divide. Jesus talked about it in the Gospels as if it were literal. So I'd like to just go ahead and take it as literal and mean that Jesus means what he means and that we can trust the words of Christ. He descended after his death into the grave, going into paradise to preach to the Old Testament saints awaiting deliverance. The one that they were promised aforetime, all the way back in Genesis 3.15, the promised seed of the woman, there they saw... There He is. There's our Lord. There's our Messiah that was promised to us. There's the fulfiller of our covenant. There's the fulfiller of the prophecy. There's our anointed Savior. There's our God. What we find is that 1 Peter 4 tells us this, verse 5 and 6, Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? That means the living and the dead, those who ain't living. For, uh, for for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God. Here's what we find. Jesus said, made it very clear to that thief on the cross who trusted Him. He said, remember me. Put his trust in Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Now notice then, Christ's descension, but as well His ascension. Verse 8-10, through 10, we see it multiple times. What is this idea? This is the idea of Christ's resurrection and His ascension later on, which presented gifts to the captives of the Old Testament and presented the New Testament saints with gifts. So it's twofold. Here's what we find. He said back in Luke chapter 4, it says He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up and as his custom was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, he stood up to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is Isaiah 61, by the way. He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now many folks thought that Israel themselves physically were the captives. They thought they were held captive to Rome, and he was going to deliver them physically and militarily. That's not what he's referencing here. He says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them were in the synagogue were fastened on him and began he, and he began to say to them, 
This day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. What do we find? All who are saved by God's grace, Old and New Testament alike, have been given the gift of God and gifts from God. We all receive the promise and the power of Almighty God. Old Testament saints received the promise the early morning of Christ's resurrection as seen in John uh, chapter 10. I want to read this for us. John, uh, sorry, not John chapter 10, excuse me, John chapter 20. John chapter 20, it's the resurrection morning, but Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in the sepulcher and see the two angels in white uh, sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say to her, woman, why leavest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, she uh, uh, said, Sir, if thou hast borne uh, born him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. What does this mean? Touch me not. The idea is don't cling to me. I've got work to do. She was holding. It's going, don't hold me back. Why? What is he doing here? He says, I go to my father. Well, is he talking about what he's going to do there in Acts chapter 1, where he goes up before Pentecost comes? No, this is dealing with the fact that he was going to lead captivity captive. How do we know? Well, Matthew's gospel tells us that after Jesus' resurrection, that other folks who were saved saints in the Old Testament got out the graves and went into the city. Who's that? It's the Old Testament saints of God. What happens? They present and show that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, that He is the fulfiller and the promises of the prophecy of the Old Testament, that He is the one who has given the new covenant, and that all who are saved are saved by Him, through Him, and for Him. And He led captivity captive unto the Father, presenting Himself before the heavens, presenting Himself before His Father, that He has died, He is buried, He is risen, and then He comes back and hangs out with His disciples walking through a wall and eats some fish and some honeycomb. That's our resurrected mighty God. That's what this means. As well, not only has the Old Testament saints received their promise, but New Testament we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as promised and prophesied by Jesus Himself in John 14 and 15. But then we find as well in Ephesians 4, not only the presenting of the gifts to the Christian as an individual and to the captives, the Old Testament saints, but to the church. Verse 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Apostles and prophets. First of all, apostles are specifically sent by Christ with His authority. With His authority after having seen the physically resurrected Jesus. So let's go ahead and knock this out. There ain't no more apostles. You know why? Because nobody alive today has seen the physically resurrected Lord. It, it, you say, well, I see. No, you haven't. You, had, you ate some bad pizza late at night. That's it. You did not. No. There's no apostles. No apostles. It was a temporary office used by God. Then we see prophets. Their role was same as Old Testament and New Testament alike foretelling the future, which was a minor part of their ministry, and a foretelling of God's word, work, and will. Thus saith the Lord. Uh, we see as well with this uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.3, he tells us 
but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. But then back a chapter, he says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So that tells us an awful lot that we need to know. Apostles and prophets are necessarily no more, but what we find is that God used them in a specific time, in a specific purpose, in a specific way for the furtherance of the gospel, the establishment of the early church, and what we find ultimately is that their words by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost have been preserved unto us. That's how we have our Bible in front of us today. Now both are called in Ephesians 2, verse 20 and 21, uh, to be a part of the foundation of the church and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ himself is the foundation and former of the church. But who did he use? The apostles and prophets of the early church. Then we find this. He says not only apostles, prophets, but he says some evangelists. Evangelist is the same word. It comes from the same word, uh, euangelion. It is the good news. Uh, the verb euangelizo means to tell the good news, to proclaim the good news. You want to know who's an evangelist? Every believer ought to be an evangelist. Now we're, now we're talking here, there were specific folks at that time, and there's still folks today who are called into evangelism. They are gifted with the gift of evangelism. Y'all ever heard of Ray Comfort before? I wish I could get the gospel like he gives the gospel. I'm telling you, there's folks who it seems that they are given such a gift of grace that, that is, they are called to be an evangelist. Now, nevertheless, all of us, dear Christians, are called to go with the gospel and to proclaim it unto all people. That is what God has called us to do. Bare minimum, that is our job. And God has gifted us the grace to do just that. Furthermore, he then says, not only the evangelists who go forth with the good news of the gospel, but then he says, pastors and teachers. Now, some try to lump pastors and teachers together. Some try to just keep them separate. Nevertheless, what we find is that a pastor who is uh, preaching primarily, uh, shepherding the flock, this means guiding and oversight as well. Uh, we find that he's uh, fending off and uh, protecting them from the wolves and, and, and uh, all these things. What we find is that there's pastors, they, they're preaching, they're shepherding, they are overseeing the work of the ministry, they're overseeing the local church. But then we find teachers these are folks within the local church who are equipped to build the body through biblical teaching. Now, if you're called to pastor, that means you're called to preach. You're going to be a teacher. Now, our preaching ought to be teaching some stuff to our hearts, to our minds. What we find is that not every teacher is a pastor. But God has gifted some to be a pastor. He's gifted some to be a teacher. So whatever you find that God has called you to do, be that. Don't try to be or envy somebody else's gift. Go, God has gifted me this way, so that's what I'm going to do. Because that's what God wants you to do. Here's verse 12, and we'll be done. Verse 12 is simple. This is the application of the whole message right here. The purposing of the gifts in verse 12. Why has He given us this grace to everyone? Why? Well, He says in verse 11, He gave these offices, but He says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, of Christ. First of all, the reason why these gifts have been given to the individual and as well as to pastors and teachers and evangelists and all these things is for the equipping of the saints for service. Every saint is equipped and expected to serve. Equipped by God and expected to serve by God. Real ministry is done by the people. This is God's enabling grace of gifts to each believer. Each believer being equipped and empowered to serve the body, to serve the community. Each believer is expected and equipped to serve. And what we find is that 
pastors and teachers that have the sole ministry of equipping, encouraging, and exhorting each member of Christ's church to do the work of the ministry. My ministry is to teach you to do the ministry and to get you to do the ministry. One of my philosophies here is, is this when it comes to ministry. If the people want it to get done, it will get done. If you don't want it done, it won't get done. Now, here's the thing. It is my job through the preaching of the Word of God, through, through consistent counseling and discipleship, and through all that we have here, we've got four services a week, Tuesday night Bible studies for men and women. We've got Friday morning Bible studies. We've got opportunity to, to get together and to be discipled and disciple one another. And what we find is that God has a place for us to give our gifts unto Him in this local church. It is my ministry to help you do the ministry. It is not the pastor's job to do all the ministry. It is not the deacon's job to do all the ministry. What we often find, and it's been said sadly somewhat true, that 10% do 100% of the work, never should be so. Why? Because God has given every one of you a job to do and has given you the gift to do that job. Ministry, this word, as we said earlier, it is a general service through faith, humility, unity. It is for everybody, for everyone. Dear Christian, you are in the ministry as much as I am. Your ministry is not merely here in a Sunday school class or in a sound room or pulling security or helping to clean. Your ministry is your family. Your ministry is in your workplace. Your ministry is everywhere that you go to serve the body, to serve the community. Furthermore, we find that not only is it for the equipping of the saints for service, to get the saints to do the work of the ministry, but it says for the edifying of the body of Christ. Ultimately, this is the expansion of the church and the strengthening of the church. Edifying has a sense to build up and to strengthen. Sometimes the way that we get strengthened is by getting broke down. Preaching is to break down and build up. Ultimately, the preaching, the teaching, the Word of God, what God desires to do through His Word by the power of His Holy Spirit is to break us down and to build us up. And when God breaks us down, you can rest assured He's doing so to build us up. Why? To build His body. To use His body. God builds His church through the ministry of the believers. We all have a responsibility and a role to see Christ's church expanded and strengthened. And all of us say that we want that, don't we? But what will we do about it? Will we continue to sit and to hold on for dear life and just wait and not look to the right or to the left and see the needs? Will we continue to say, well, someone else can do it? If I hear this one more time, I might throw up. This phrase of, well, I did my time. If you did, you would be out of here. You didn't do your time. Older saints, I want you to know you might feel right now that you've got nothing to offer. I want you to know you have the most to offer. And what you need to offer is yourself to these young families and to show them what it means to be a family that loves the Lord and loves the church of God. Mature believers would teach the immature believers. But you can't teach the immature believers if you think that you're more mature than anybody else in the room. Because now that's not good. Right? We see there's a whole lot of issues and a whole lot of things that keep us from serving. But here's the greatest thing that will keep you from serving. Ourself. We put ourselves on a shelf. We put ourselves away and we say, well, my time's done. Or we say, well, that used to be. Or, you know, I just don't think God wants to use me anymore. Or, you know, I just don't feel like it. Or, or the church isn't the same anymore. Of course the church isn't the same. He's always growing it and building it. It looks different every week. 
It's His body. We need to trust Him with it. Why? Because He's entrusted us with it. He has not merely entrusted the local church to the pastor. This isn't my kingdom. This isn't my church. This is the Lord's. He entrusted you and me together in the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace to build the body of Christ. Let me ask you first of all today, are you a part of the true church? Have you been truly born again? Are you a part, truly a part of the body of Christ? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Two, if you have and you are a part of the church, you are a part of Christ's church, what, God, what, what gifts have God given you? How does God desire to use you now? Are you even curious? Perhaps we ought to be. Let me ask you today, dear believer, how are you serving the local church? Or have you thrown in the towel and say, well, my time's done. I want you to know your time is not done. Even if you think it is, it ain't. Now is the time more than ever to serve the body of Christ so that we would see the body of Christ move. Not just move out into the community, but to see our community moved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? This